0: Hello again, welcome to another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. I'm Louis Karpis, and tonight it's my privilege to welcome onto the show Ashley Buhai. Ashley, thank you for your time, and I think it's good morning to you in Canada, isn't it?
1: Hi, Louis. Yes, it is. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: So tell me, how has your life changed in the last couple of weeks? I guess it's been a little hectic.
1: Yeah, it sure has been a, a little bit of a whirlwind. Obviously, yeah, lots of media um, to do and uh, trying to, you know, juggle my time and mostly waking up early over in the U.S. this week, I'm in Canada to do stuff in South Africa and then I've uh, been doing stuff in uh, interviews in the U.S. too, so, but it's all obviously um, good problems to have to deal with.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, tell me what it what it felt like when you heard the announcer going and the gold medal winner and champion of the Open for 2022 Ashley buhai it must have just been that goosebump on goosebump feeling
1: yeah it sure was and it's pretty emotional um you know when I walked up <laughs> I started crying all over again because it was just you know many years of hard work and dedication funny funny happening and um you know, it's still kind of when I think back and I've seen memories and people are still sending me stuff. It's, you know, it really is a dream come true.
0: So let's go back all the way because, I mean, with the greatest respect to what is now the culmination, and I don't mean it at the end of your career, but mm-hmm. it's been a long road to get to where you are, considering the, the hype around you at a, at a tender age of 18 turning professional.
1: Yeah, there was a, like you say, a lot of hype when I turned eighteen, a lot of expectation, especially out of South Africa. Um, I followed suit. that happened pretty quickly. I won my third event as a professional on the Ladies European Tour, and we we're all like, "Oh well, this is just gonna carry on." Um, but unfortunately, that's not how sometimes life works and sport works. And there was ups and downs and injuries, and you know. But I still stuck to it. I, I, I never gave up. Uh, I love doing what I do. Um, and there's always, like, you have one bad week, there's always the next week that your life can change, and you never know when that can happen, and, you know, lucky for me, it happened to be this year's Women's British Open.
0: I guess it's easy when you look back to say that all those years of hardship were there to get you to where you are today, but I don't think people realise how much work's gone into it, and as you say, the heartaches, the pressures, the injuries... But it must have helped you, maybe not so much coming up the 18th, but most definitely in the playoff at the Open.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a lot of sacrifice from me, from people around me, my family, my husband. Um, So, you know, I don't say, obviously, I was in it and I hold the winning pub, but, you know, it's, it's a win for everybody because a lot of people have made sacrifices over the years to help get me to where I am today. You know, I'd been playing good, you know, the last few years, just obviously haven't pulled off a winner. I'd had a few second places on the LPGA, but it was just about getting across that finish line. And, you know, for it to be in a major championship, I mean, it's even, it's just, I still a bit crazy when I think about it.
0: Yeah, it is. It's complete. I mean, and also to obviously win it on a tournament golf course where mm-hmm. the likes of Ernie Els from South Africa have won before. Gary players played there and your name now goes up on that board in the dress in the, in the, in the, in the room there in the, in the, in the clubhouse.
1: Yeah. I mean, to win an open championship where Gary had only won and to be a female South African and add my name to that list, it really isn't on. And it's, you know, when I, during that week, I, I'm a golf nerd, so I know the history books and, um, you know, my, my caddy and I were walking the course and I was like, want to just see how we only hit it in this bank and played the unbelievable bunker shots So. <laughs> I walked down memory Lane, um, you know, and, and Murfield was an unbelievable venue for us to be able to play.
0: So now I have to be honest with you. I'm sitting at home, four-shot lead, going into the firing around. I think to myself, oh, a nice Sunday afternoon. Ashley's going to claim the title and we can cheer on Monday morning and I can do my sports report and do this whole number. Little did I think that at about half past eight South African time, I'd still be watching you playing golf and not one, two, three, but four playoff holes at any stage Looking back, did you think I've blown this?
1: Actually, no. Um, and obviously, people that were watching and read, know what happened on 15, and that all happened so quickly. Like I said, I only feel like I really one bad shot on that hole was the drive. You know, got unlucky, plugged off the bounce in the, in the bunker, so and then, obviously, whatever happened after that, it happened so quickly that I didn't really have time to really think about what really happened. I, I didn't have time, I just had to get on with it. Um, and for me, the the big thing was to hold that like four five footer on the 18th hole to give myself a chance to a playoff. I was like, okay, let's go now. It gave me like a second win because I still had a chance. Um, yeah. So And then obviously the playoff, I didn't even realize that we were into hole four. I was just so focused. Um, and also we didn't realize that was going to be the last hole. So I was very, yeah. very glad that we managed to get it done in time.
0: We don't see it on television because mm-hmm. obviously the way the cameras operate, but it must have been pretty gloomy.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, already on the third playoff hole, I was lining up my putts and I was like, this is getting difficult to see, especially from the distance I was at. And um I remember asking my caddy, like thinking, geez, what time does it get dark here? And she's Australian. Yeah. She's like, oh, mate." It stays light in Scotland for, for hours. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like it
0: right now. <laughs> so let's go back, if we may, to, so you turn 18. And as you say, three tournaments in, you win your first professional tournament. People think, oh, well, here we go. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And I mean, at, at that stage, at 18 years of age, if you look at the golfers now on the LPGA, they're all starting at around 18. So it's not an uncommon thing now. But for you, it must have been pretty uncommon at such a young age.
1: Yeah, it was. I was one of, definitely one of the youngest. Uh, people didn't turn pro as young 15 years ago. Um, and also I was only South African. So, you know, when I look back now, it was, yeah, it was hard. It was lonely. Um, I couldn't do much. You know, you don't think of these things. You, you can't rent a car. You can't, there's so much you, you can't do. You know, the the guy that was carrying for me, um, he was, his name was Chucky. He, uh, he did my first year with me, Graham Hill. And then in the next year, Darren Norman you know they were they were chaperones plus caddies you know they, so I was very thankful to be able to have them with me they were good friends of um, with my parents too so it gave them peace of mind but when I really look back now over the years um, you know there was a lot I had to deal with and I think geez if I look at 18 year old now and I'm going, geez I really did it at that age it's makes you think back and be like, wow, I can't believe what I I managed to accomplish and how I've grown over the years and finally turned into the golfer that I I wanted to be.
0: And what kind of a golfer is that? I mean, I I understand you want to win an Open and you want to win Mm -hmm. major championships and whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, you get to a point where it's far more important about how you hold yourself and how you perform than it is titles behind your name. Or am I completely wrong in that?
1: Yeah, obviously, you're teared up every week wanting to win. That's the goal. But, you know, you're going to win very few times in your career. There's only, you know, a handful of golfers that that manage to win multiple times. But, you know, in order to make a good living and to be sustainable, you want consistency. And that's finally something I've been able to do, I'd say, the last four years. Um, you know, and teared up every week, knowing I can compete, give myself a chance and have that consistency. Um in order to be able to provide and put a roof over my my head kind of down here. So we don't play for the money the men play for, although it's in the best, we're playing for the most and in the best position we've ever been. We don't get the sponsors that the men get. So, you know, it's really what you're putting in is what you're putting back into your business. So um, I'm just grateful that the past four years I've been able to do that, become a consistent player and somebody that knocks on the door every now and then.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say somebody that knocks on the door now and then. I mean, if you look at your, your major championship record, mm. it's not that great. I mean, outside no. of, obviously, the win. No. So that makes the accomplishment even better.
1: Yeah, and especially last year, I was very disappointed with how I played in the majors. And I said to my coach, it was a goal this year. We had had to do better. Because the year before, I did play pretty decent you know, top 20s, um, which is good for a major week. Um, and then this year, I didn't qualify for the US Open, which was very disappointing. Only started to play well this year from around April, but the last two majors were steady. I finished twenty first at the KPMG and fifteenth at the Avian Championship two weeks before the Open. So I felt, you know, I was trending, and it's strange because I do feel I play better on tougher golf courses. Um, so when I got when I got to Muirfield, I just I loved the setup. I loved the way the course looked and felt and the way I felt I could plot my way around there.
0: Yeah, I mean, after three rounds, you were, you were absolutely flying. I mean, what is a four-shot lead going into the final round? When you woke up on Sunday morning, what, what was the thought process going through your brain?
1: Yeah, I mean, Saturday evening, it was pretty, you know, people were asking me what it was also like Saturday evening, and I felt I was very calm. I tried to go to sleep late, to wake up late. But that didn't happen because you wake up and... It's just nerves. You are nervous. There's no way of getting away from it. It's such a long day. I was only teeing off at 10 to 4. So there's a long time to try and kill the morning and kill time. And you, you, left to deal with your own thoughts so I ended up going to the course a little bit earlier that way you're around people and you're just able to talk and try to be more relaxed and once I got to the course uh, I settled down because I was like right I'm here to do a job and I've done it the last few days and let's see if we can go and do it well again
0: today. So there was a couple of interviews that there were after the event and then the following week as well okay. and a lot of praise from other golfers for you you must feel really good about
1: yeah to get the accolades from your peers i mean that's huge um you know we have such a good group of friends on so on I think it's also because David, my you know, my husband, he caddies actually. He's he's such a lovable person, fun person. Um uh, and I just think everybody and yes, I, I'd like to say I was the underdog and I think everybody likes to see an underdog winner every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, for for also I had so many friends and caddies out there supporting me, which you don't you don't see very often. So when I look back now, I'm very thankful for that.
0: You say you don't see it often. You're quite right. I mean, I I I love watching you guys play. I love watching men's mm. and ladies golf. And it's it's almost there's this amazing feeling of accomplishment when somebody on the tour wins. I mean, it's whether it's water or champagne or being sprayed on the winner and a lot of hugging and celebration. It seems like you're a real strong team of girls. And ladies, i uh, goes say girls with respect, um, mm-hmm. are, who travel the world and are, I guess, looking after each other as well.
1: You know, you have your friends at yeah, and we call it our tour family. And, you know, I think Dave and I, we have best of both worlds. We've got the player side and the caddy side. So maybe our group of friends is a little bigger than other people because we've got both dynamics. Um, but yeah, you know. We all know how hard it is to be out here and to be on the road and to try wins. So when it happens, you've got to
0: celebrate it. So let's go look forward, I guess, as an Open champion. You kind of are in control of your future, aren't you?
1: Yeah, a little bit. You know, it opens, hopefully, doors in terms, um, you know, to some more sponsors and that. But main thing is you guaranteed a job for the next five years. And at 33 years old, um, that's huge for me. You know, I'm still wanting to play. I've still you know, but at some point we we do want to have kids. So, you know, it gives me the peace of mind that I can do this for the next few years, not have to worry. I can plan my schedule. I'm one that's played a lot over the years and as I'm getting older, particularly this year, I've started to realize, well, if I take, say, play three weeks, take a week off, play another three weeks, I'm starting to perform much better because I've given myself a week to recover and rest. So I'm looking forward to be able to plan my schedule better and also play the tournaments I want to play and not feel like, oh, I have to go play this week because, say, I haven't got off to a good start and I need the points for CME to
0: to keep my card so
1: mentally it, it takes a lot of pressure off you
0: and i think a lot of people go "Ah, oh, stop moaning you're traveling the world you're playing golf you're earning a decent mm-hmm. living and you're doing what yeah. you like but it's hard i mean it's it's suitcases and airplanes and appearances and interviews with people like me at almost eight in the morning in <laughs> canada I mean, it's not easy is it
1: no and uh, i think also people don't see you know people only see the small percentage of you know, how people really travel. Obviously, majority of the PGA Tour guys, oh, well, they're doing private and they're in private and it's first class. Yeah, you know, we don't do it that way. We we travel economy. We we share Airbnbs to make, bring the costs down, you know. But to be, to be honest, the way we do it, it's fun. Um, and I love it. Um, for me, it's a normal. Like when we got shut down in COVID, it was great to be in one spot for maybe a month, but it's not normal to us normal to us is being on the road and once you become used to that lifestyle um you know it's it's hard to give it up that's why i am where i am and i I still love what i I do and i think that's what's got me still being 33 and loving loving playing and traveling
0: they say behind every good man is a strong woman in your case i guess behind every (laughs) good golfer is a strong man i mean tell us a little bit about david the influence yeah
1: um obviously a huge influence i mean We've been together for 15 years. I was 17 when I met him. Uh, we met at, at a golf academy at, at Glendower, Gavin Levinson's Golf Academy. He tried to play himself. So he's a good golfer. And um, I think it was in 2010, I'd lost my status in the States. And he said, well, let me come, come with you to Europe and I'll caddy for you. And I said, no chance. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I said, well, let's go to Australia for like, you can caddy for three weeks slash holiday and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, it worked. And I think, what was fantastic was it's like you talk about that loneliness and being around to her by yourself and um you know having him with me it made my life so much easier so you know it's also like i said it's a win for everybody around you because he he gave up what his plans were in his life to do what i'd always wanted to do and follow me around the world so you know i'm very grateful to obviously have him in my corner and um he doesn't carry for me anymore, but we're on tour together. And now, at least when we're both done with our days, we have something to talk about. Whereas, you know, when you're together for a whole day, you know what each other's days are like. So what's the dinner conversation yeah. really going to be like?
0: Yeah, it's like working with your partner every single yeah. day and then going exactly. home. And it, exactly. Yeah. So let's go back to early days. I guess if I bring up the name Sally Little, that must have been mm-hmm. something somewhere in your career the back of your mind she must have had some kind of influence on you
1: yeah definitely um you know being only south african before myself and liam plays to play on the lpga it was such a, a long drought you could say um yeah. between players and finally playing a professional golf on lpga you know i think unfortunately when i was growing up we didn't get women's golf televised so you know my heroes were ernie and retief um growing up because that's what i got to watch but then as I got a little older, then we started to see in the era that I got to watch was obviously the Annika and Kari Webb era. So, um, but obviously, I've got to meet Sally multiple times and spend time with her. So, for me to now be the next South African female major champion next to her,
0: it's, it's fantastic. You mentioned one or two names there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Annika Sunderstrom as well, a couple of players whose names then are on that uh, open trophy <laughs> as well, and yours is there too. It must just yeah. be such a lovely feeling eh?
1: sure is and uh, what's even cool is you know i've gotten to now know them because i started playing when they was playing still yeah. um so i got to play alongside my idols i mean my my first british open at st andrews i was paired with annika the first two rounds i mean that's like stuff you dream of yeah. and it was her last open um and where we're based now in florida i live quite close to quarry web and we've become quite friendly i got we had a celebration on the thursday after the, the open and we got to celebrate together uh my win so and that was pretty cool too we had a I, had to, I was like we have to have a photo together because <laughs> this, is, this is not something that even, i didn't get that far in my dreams as you would say so that was pretty cool to be able to experience
0: oh but th- i mean the nice thing about it is you having a photograph with her and you're the open champion yeah exactly <laughs> i mean yeah, be she, she wants she was to just have a happy to, with you
1: yeah and she was just as happy to have it with me so yeah it was pretty fantastic.
0: cool what does uh if anything the world rankings mean to you i mean i, I know that the win at the open now gives you an mm-hmm. opens doors it doesn't matter where you're ranked in the world to be honest but yeah is it something important for you or do you not really bother about that kind of stuff
1: um yes and no because you know unfortunately we we do judge ourselves on you know the score we shoot our rankings because that dictates what tournaments we get into and where we finish during the week so yeah so for now I think I, I went shot up to like 27th in the world um, and the world rankings are a little a little strange because if it's almost like the more you play, sometimes it hurts you. So I've played a lot and I feel like weeks when I've played well, I would only move up one or two spots and then a week I miss a cut, I could drop four spots because it works on the amount of tournaments you play. So I always felt that I was kind of struggling to just keep moving up because of the amount of golf I played, but now I don't have to worry about it. I'm exempt into all the majors for five years. We're going to some fantastic venues, and like next year we get to play Pebble Beach, the US Open, so I'm really excited for those tournaments.
0: And I know it hasn't happened yet, but every single time now that you're going to tee off Announce is mm. gonna go and the open <laughs> champion Ashley Buhai. Yeah.
1: I mean, wow, yeah, it's gonna be pretty cool. I-, I do look forward to it in Canada. And even yesterday, I arrived in Canada and I was in the parking lot and I was reversing my car. and The lady stopped me and I thought, Oh, what am I doing wrong? And she yeah. was just like, You just won the British Open. And I was like, Yes, <laughs> I'm like, She's <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, it's so cool to have you here. And I was like, Okay, I'm I guess I'm gonna get recognized a little bit more now. And I know when I get to tournaments, I'm gonna have to manage my time a bit more. Um, there's gonna be a few more. A request but like I said it's it's all good things to have to pencil in my diary and, and have to deal
0: with one of the things that I have noticed on the ladies tour is the influx over the last decade or so of Asian golfers and my mm-hmm. god they play well don't they
1: yeah they're I mean what players they are um I think yeah. it's just it's their work ethic and like I said it's getting younger and younger um, and they've got such a strong tour over in Korea so they play one or two years there and they get their world rankings up and then they come over here and um and yeah they, they do dominate my husband can For Jing on six Korean girl, and she's a lovely girl. She's a major winner herself. So, their work ethic is is something, something to, I don't know, it's unbelievable.
0: That's all I can say. And also, I mean, they almost like, I don't know, what, 50, 60 kilos, and they hit the ball forever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, what and I think it? it's also something, you know, that so many people are impressed by when they watch women's golf for the first time or when people play with us in programs, you know, we hit the ball just as far as say your average male golfer. But it just shows you don't have to be able to swing it fast and bomb it and um you know, and that's something I spoke about the whole week at the British was keeping that tempo and rhythm. If your timing is good and you deliver that club in the right sequence, you can get as much on the ball as you need. So um, I think it's one thing that's underestimated. And that's what I think men, when they first play with us, they start to realize like, wow, I could slow it down and hit it just as far.
0: I hope that the the win and the recognition brings the reward because, you know, I look at the the world of sport and, Outside of the lady tennis players who at majors get the same compensation or same mm-hmm. prize money as yes. what the men do, ladies' golf deserves to get better, doesn't
1: it? It sure does. Um, yeah, but it, like I say, you know, it has grown so much over the years. And like any tennis generation, I had this conversation with Corey and asked what you know she was playing for when, when she played. I mean, she's the sec- second all time money winner in in history on the LPGA I'm grateful to be playing at a time where things are changing and we're part of that change and I know the next generation is going to have it even better and that's kind of the motto of the LPGA is leave the game in a better place than where you found it and act like a founder because we had you know 13 women that drove around the United States playing for just about nothing and, and trying to create a, a women's tour. So I think it is exciting where women's golf is
0: going. From a golfer's point of view, and i ask you this question now without looking to create any controversy whatsoever. When you look at the Live Tour that uh, Greg Norman has put on in Saudi Arabia, and it's like $4 million to play three rounds of golf, plus <laughs> like $750,000 each member of the team. Obviously, mm. South Africans have done brilliantly. You must to yourself, but I hit it as far as them. I'm far prettier than all of them. And I draw sometimes as many spectators, not necessarily when it's the masters or the the open, but... I mean, it must be just ludicrous to think of that kind of money in the game.
1: Yeah, it is. I think that's why everybody's been thrown back by it, to be played for that amount of money. But, you know, it's thrown a span in the works, and it's got people talking about golf worldwide. People are talking about golf, and they're not even golfers. So I think that's the one positive side, is it? and then it's going to force the other tours to take a look at it and um, in order to try and make sure that they can compete because you don't want the LPGA and the PGA Tour fall into the side. It's many years of hard work, tradition, um, you know, that, that and history that that has created this game, and it's why we love this game. So you know, there's there's pros and cons to what's going on on right now. I think
0: I know that it's it's a cliche. You would have wanted to have won any major, but mm-hmm. I guess. The open for South Africans, it seems to be the one South Africans want to win, men or ladies. Why?
1: Um, I think well for me it was always the one I wanted to win. And I think like I said, I'm a golf nerd. I love the history of golf. Um and if you just look at the way where golf started, it started in Scotland, it started on the so called Lynx, so we've been told. Um and I don't know, there's just something about Lynx golf, it's just different to every other major and the tradition behind it and i I think that's why i mean there was nothing better for me than when i was a kid and would watch in the winter's afternoon and be able to watch five hours of the british open i I just loved it um so i just think there's just that history behind the open championship that the other majors don't quite have
0: and i think also um if i may add and not not being any good at the game myself. Um, although I can say that over the half a dozen rounds I've played, one's been with Ernie and the other one with Gary. So I mm-hmm. kind of have been played with some <laughs> decent golf company in my life. But we as South Africans play golf on golf courses that are much tougher than what the Americans, the American tour, the golf courses seem sort of manicured and they follow the good weather. So when we get to Scotland or to St Andrews or places like that and the wind blows and the rain comes, we're better equipped, aren't we?
1: Yeah, maybe. And maybe that's why I have been successful um, in those tournaments. I don't know. I don't, honestly, because we don't grow up playing Lynx Golf, so-called. But we do have to experience different conditions. and um, And also, I think, as South Africans, we're forced to travel from a young age if you want to be a professional golfer. You can't just stay in your country if you want to be one of the best. You know I was traveling from the age of 13 overseas, so um, I think that also teaches you a lot. And a lot of the time you, play, you start playing in Europe, and there's multiple conditions you have to deal with, whereas in the States, it's mostly parkland courses and, we, as we say, hit-and-stop conditions. So I think you, you learn to play a lot more shots um, having played around the
0: world. Obviously, the, the tour is now taking you around the world as 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 it will, and you'll be popular around golf courses. Uh, what influence do you think that can have on young South African girls to take up the game? It's not cheap. I mean, a set of golf clubs is expensive. Playing on a golf course is expensive. But mm-hmm. I guess uh, you will take that role model, sort of kind of sell little role on your shoulders going forward as well?
1: Yeah, I do hope so. Um, and I think what was fantastic is that you know, it was broadcasted last week was well, or two weeks ago it was broadcasted, um, and for everybody to see. Um and also in the States it was on national T V, it wasn't on what they would say, cable. So Yeah.
0: Um
1: I think, you know, hopefully I am gonna be that next person to influence and inspire young girls, particularly in South Africa, um, to wanna pick up a golf club. Um, and hopefully I can be a role model for them.
0: Well. I can tell you already the influence that you've had here in South Africa. You might not know it. You haven't been back Mm. for a while, but I'm sure when you get here, I know you've brought a couple of the other golfers, as they call it, on safari. Um,
1: Yes.
0: I think (laughs) they can come and pet the lions (laughs) listening to a couple of the interviews from the girls. I mean, these are wild animals. But anyway, I'll bring a couple here that you want to sort of get rid of so you can win another championship. (laughs) Stick them in the Kruger National Park. actually. I thank you so much for your time. I know you're very, very busy. and the half an hour, has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, before you. we go, I, I just have to do this gold medal winner with a score of 274 from South Africa, Ashley Buhai.
1: Thanks very much, Lee.